0: That's invest her, H-E-R, con.com, promo code 100, best ever to get $100 off your ticket. Compare their pro forma to your pro forma,
1: and then any discrepancies. Identify, you want to go ahead and ask that listing broker, hey, why are you making this assumption? I'm making this assumption because of A, B, C, and D. So am I missing something? Is there something you shed light on so I know that I'm making the correct
0: assumption. It's that time of year again, tax season. Dun, dun dun How are you doing on tax season? How's that treating you so far? Well, if you have a lot of receipts and you're organizing things like your income and expenses and creating reports, and you're also trying to keep up to date with the new tax reform this year, there's a lot of deductions that we can take to maximize return. And there's a lot of strategies that we need to make sure we're aware of. Are you optimizing for the new tax laws? Well, our sponsor, Stessa, teamed up with the top real estate CPAs to offer you the Ultimate Rental Property Tax Guide. And I've read it. This is the Ultimate Rental Property Tax Guide. I'm talking about they've got everything covered from opportunity zones to entity selection to establishing a home office, travel expenses, what type of travel expenses are deductible, Real estate strategies, tax strategies, capital improvements versus repairs. I mean, this is the ultimate rental property tax guide. And you can get it for free by going to stessa.com forward slash best taxes. You have to sign up for an account, but the account is free. So when you sign up for a free Stessa account, you will get this guide. This is worth its weight in gold for sure. Go to stessa.com, S-T-E-S-S-A.com forward slash best taxes. And when you work with Stessa, Stessa is a tool that helps every rental property owner track, manage, and communicate the performance of our real estate investment. So it's going to save a lot of time during tax season, but then also through the rest of the season as we go and grow our rental portfolio and optimize that. So go to stessa.com forward slash best taxes. Get that ultimate rental property tax guide. There needed to be a resource on apartment syndication that not only talked about each aspect of the syndication process, but how to actually do each of the things and go into it in detail. And we thought, hey, why not make it free too? That's why we launched Syndication School. And Theo Hicks will go through a particular aspect of apartment syndication on today's episode and get into the details of how to do that particular thing. Enjoy this episode and for more on apartment syndication and how to do things, go to apartmentsyndication.com or to learn more about the Apartment Syndication School, go to syndicationschool.com so you can listen to all the previous episodes.
1: Hi, Best Ever listeners. Welcome back to another episode of the Syndication School series, a free resource focused on the how-tos of apartment syndication. As always, I'm your host, Theo Hicks. Each week, we air two podcast episodes that make up a larger series that focus on a specific aspect of the apartment syndication investment strategy and for the majority of the series we will be offering a document or spreadsheet or some sort of resource for you to download for free. All these documents as well as past and future syndication school series can be found at syndicationschool.com. This episode is going to be part 6 of a 6 part series. So we're going to conclude the Breaking Down the Apartment Financials series. If you haven't so already, I recommend listening to Part 1 through 4. In Part 1 and 2, we broke down the rent roll. In Part 3 and 4, we broke down the T12. And then, of course, you're going to have to listen to Part 5 in order to understand what we're talking about today. Because that was the first podcast where we broke down the offering memorandum, the OM. And we're going to finish up breaking down the OM Today, as well as discuss a few things that you want to look for when specifically you are underwriting the deal. We already discussed what to do when you're screening deals, but we're going to conclude by discussing, okay, so here's what the OM is, what's relevant to me when I'm actually underwriting the deal. So in part five, the first episode about the offer memorandum, we went ahead and went over the executive summary. We went over the location analysis as well as the property description. And as I mentioned in that episode, and I'll mention it again here, whenever you're underwriting a deal, what you want to do is you want to read through the offer memorandum first, but you only want to read up to the point where it starts to discuss financial information. So that's either the actual financial analysis where they go over the here's what the pro forma is going to be, which is the case for this OM, if they start discussing the rent comps, because you don't want that information to affect how you underwrite the deal, because again that information is likely going to be biased and is based off of what the broker thinks. And What the broker thinks doesn't necessarily matter when you're underwriting the deal. What's more important is how you and your team think the property is going to operate. But as I'll mention at the end of the episode, there is some useful information in the financial analysis. You wanted to look at that after you've done your own financial analysis. So before we get to the financial analysis, in this particular OM, the rent comp section comes first. Then we're going to go over the financial analysis. And then we're kind of going to quickly go back through the OM and explain what information is relevant to you when you're underwriting the deal. So if you don't know what a rent rent comparable analysis is, essentially it is when you find comparable, similar, like properties in the area within a few miles of the subject property, the property you're looking at. And when I say that they're comparable, that means that the comparable property needs to be similar to what the finished product is going to look like. So you don't want to find a property that's similar to how the property is now. You want to know, okay, so I plan on doing A, B, C, D to my property. So let's find a property that's within a few miles of my property that has already had A, B, C, and D done to it. Now, the rental comparable analysis will be included in the offer memorandum, of course, because we're going over that today. And people have different philosophies on how to approach the rent comps. But what we do is typically we will use the rent comps that were provided by the broker. But rather than use the actual rents and unit and rent information provided by the broker, we will seek out that information ourselves. So we'll say, okay, for this particular property, there are 11 different rent comps listed. So we would just look at the names. We'd look up their addresses, determine how many units they are, what unit types they have, what's the quality of the interiors, what amenities are offered at the property to make sure that they actually are comparable. And if the unit interiors and the amenities offered are similar to the unit interiors and renovation and exteriors of our finished product, then we will find the rent information and use that to create our own rental premiums. Because essentially that's what the outcome of the rent comp analysis is. Determine, okay, right now my units are rented for 500 bucks, a month, and I plan on spending five grand and doing granite countertops and fantasy appliances and whatever it happens to be. How much rent can I demand for that new unit? And that's what the rental comp analysis is for. So I'd find properties within a few miles that have those fantasy appliances, granite countertops, and maybe the same state of the art fitness center and resort style pool that my property has. And then I will determine what their rent per square foot is. And then based off of the square footage of my units, I can say, okay. I'm going to get the same rent per square foot as them, so here's my new rent. That's one way. Another way to determine what the rent premiums are going to be are based off of proven rental premiums from the current owner. So if you remember, or if hopefully you listened to yesterday's episode, when I was going over the executive summary, it explained that the current owner had already renovated 200 units, spent about 2200 bucks per unit, and was getting a $110 rental premium. So as long as I confirm that to be true on the rent roll on the T12 and actually visiting the property and seeing that, okay, these 200 units were actually renovated, then as long as the renovations were done within the past couple of years, then I can say, okay, well, if I do $2,000 worth of renovations, then I too will get $110 premium. Now for this particular deal, if we were to buy it, we would go above and beyond the renovations that they did. So maybe we would spend, we spent five grand overall, so we'd have to spend 2800 on the remaining units that weren't renovated and then an extra 2200 bucks on all units to kind of get to our new higher quality unit. And since we're not doing exactly what the owner did, then we'd have to do our own rent comp analysis because $2,800 worth of renovations will demand a $110 premium, but Doing $5,000 will demand more than one hundred and ten, and so we need to know exactly why. So I guess I kind of went over what you want to do when you're looking at underwriting for this section, but I do want to go back over the previous sections and kind of do the same exercise that we just performed. So go back to the OM. If you go to the page 25, not page 25 of the actual PDF, but page 25 of the OM, you'll see the first page that discusses rent comps, and what you'll see is a map that has the 11 rent comps labeled plus the subject property so you'll see subject properties number 11 and then here's all the rental comps so two of them seem like they're right next door two are about a block away and then the remaining are pretty far away from the actual subject property so it looks like five of them are, are close enough but two of them seem like they're kind of far away so i would kind of question whether or not i would want to use those as my rent comps one of them is by a lake and the other one is right at the intersection of two major highways whereas the subject property is kind of dead set in the middle of triangle of highways. And I'm sure if I visited these properties in person, they would kind of have a slightly different feel to them location-wise, especially the one that has a lake, Brighton's backyard. So I probably wouldn't use that lake one just based off of looking at this map, but I would still investigate further. I wouldn't just look at this map. Now the next page, it has a data table with, again, all of the 11 rental comps plus subject property, and here it has some more information about those properties, so... For each of these 12 properties, you've got the year that was built. So that's going to be important because a property that was built in 1980 is not going to be a rent comp for a property that was built in 2000. And a property that was built in 2000 might not even be a rent comp for a property that was built in 2010 and 2015. So if you look at this particular deal, this deal was built in 2002, and some of the rent comps are in the 2000s. 2000. So 2004, 2007, 2008, 2008, 2007. But then we've got ones that are actually a lot newer. So we've got a couple of 2006s. 2015. So again, that right there it was something that I would make a note of in my mind, or if someone else would write it down. And I would want to make sure that I would look at the properties that are built in the late 2010s to see okay, are these a higher quality than my subject property? Will I be able to take a 2002 property and make it look like a 2016 property? Because if not, I'm not going to use a 2016 property as a rental comp. I'll use a 2002 property that was recently renovated instead. Next, we've got total number of units. That's also going to be important, especially if you're looking at smaller multifamilies. Like if you're looking at, let's say, a 50 unit, then you're probably not going to want to use a 400 unit building as a rental comp because your 50 unit probably is not going to have the same clubhouse, same pool, same amenities as a 400 unit building. This particular deal is 250 units and all the rent comps are between 150 to looks like 450. So 451, I might want to look at that and be like, okay, do they have multiple pools, multiple fitness centers, multiple amenities that would allow them to demand a little bit of higher rent than mine and make the adjustment. Next, we've got average square footage. And the reason why that's important is because when you're doing a rental comp analysis to compare like properties, you need to find the dollar per square foot. So once it lists out the average square footage, it will give you a market and effective rent. So market rent is what the unit should be renting for based off of comparables. And the effective rent is what they're actually getting. And for each of those, there's a rent per square foot. And you'll see subject property here kind of ranks 11th when it comes to the rent per square foot for the effective rent. So the current rent is on a per square foot basis is the second lowest. And then we'll have occupancy. So what's weird about this one is the number one property has a 25% occupancy rate. So that's kind of weird that that was included on here, but the rest of them are all 90% or higher. Next, it goes even more details. So before, it had just kind of the overall average market rent and the overall average effective rent, overall market rent per square foot, overall effective rent per square foot. Next, it's going to break it down by unit basis, which is going to be more important to you. You're going to want to do your rent comp on a unit by unit basis, not an overall basis. So I'm not going to say, oh, well, currently my property is at a rent per square foot of dollar $1.24. And the average rent comp is $1.39, so every single unit is going to be $1.39. It's not necessarily the case because in some locations, certain floor plan type is going to to rent for more. So it looks like for for this case, the floor plan with the highest rent per square foot is going to be the one bed, one bath. So it's got a breakdown of all those 11 rent comps plus the subject property. And it has a unit type, so one bed, one bath. There's one data table. Two-bed, two-bath is one data table. The other two-bed, two-bath is another data table. And the three-bed, two-bath is another data table. So there's a total of four data tables. And it lists out the number of units for each of those, unit types, square footage, and the rent. And then it gives you a rent per square foot for each of those. And at the bottom of each of the data tables is going to be an average rent per square foot. And that's what you're going to want to use. So for the one-bed, one-bath, I would assume that I will be able to get a dollar $1.31 per square foot. For the two bed, two bath, I'd assume twenty four per square foot, and so on and so forth. So I'd use those numbers, multiplying by the square footage of the four different unit types, and then that's what my new rent is going to be after I implement my value-add business plan. And then the next part of the rental comp analysis is going to be essentially what the rent comps by floor plan data tables were based off of. So it's gonna take each of the 11 properties, and it's going to give you a data table that has a breakdown of all the different unit types, the number of those units, the square footage, And then again, the average market and effective rents, as well as average market and effective rents per square foot for each of those properties. And then they'll give you an average of all of them at the end. So the page that's going to be most important to you is going to be the rent comps by floor plan, page 27. But again, you're going to want to do what they did yourself. So you're going to want to create these four data tables yourself and pull that rental information yourself and confirm that all 11 of those properties are indeed Rental comps and the ones that aren't, remove them and add ones that you found through your investigations. So, sometimes your rental comp analysis is going to be exactly like theirs, whereas other times it isn't. Maybe they've made the OM a few months before listing the deal and the rents have changed in the area, or maybe inputting mistake, or maybe they just try to pull a fast one on you, or maybe it was something else you don't really know, which so is why you always want to trust but confirm. So, again, you want to. Either create your own list of properties or you can start with the list provided by the broker, step one. Step two is to go to each of those individual properties, either websites or apartment.com site listing and essentially make an, an amenities checklist, which we'll go over when your are underwriting and write out all the interior amenities and all the exterior amenities and make sure that those are similar. It doesn't be the exact same. One property has a 1,000-foot pool and the other property has a 2,000-square-foot pool. You can still use those as a comp there just has to be a pool there. So once you have confirmed that, then you want to go and find the actual rental information and unit count information yourself. So the last section in this OM is going to be the financial analysis. So the financial analysis is going to basically be the broker's opinion on the projected financials, the projected income and expenses of the property once someone takes it over. So again, this is something that you don't want to look at until you've actually done it yourself, but it is good to see what the broker actually thinks is going to happen compared to yours. And then any differences you can ask the broker and say, hey, I saw that you said that the year one vacancy is going to be 5%, but I'm getting 10%. What's your justification for making it 5%? My justification is that the average occupancy rate in the market has been 90% for the past 10 years. And so I'm assuming a 10% occupancy. Why are you assuming 5 as an example. I completely made that example up, but that's something that could happen. And if you don't look at the financials ever, then you're not going to be able to ask those questions. And if you look at the financials first, then you might just assume that they're right, and then you'll have no questions because you have exactly what they have. So for this particular OM, the first page, it kind of summarizes the investment. So it's a lot of stuff in the OM you'll see realize is a repeat. So again, it's got the of year construction, number of units, rentable square feet, average unit size, occupancy, market rent, and rent per square foot. And then next, it kind of summarizes, okay, so based off of our underwriting, year one, here's what your gross income's going to be, here's what your operating expenses are going to be. After your reserves, here's what your net operating income should be. And then it also has some, some tax information, so how they are calculating their pro forma tax rates. And then it has, on this particular one, kind of an income trend. So it's showing, you, hey, if you look at the T6 compared to the T3 compared to the T1, income's been going up in a one-to-one relationship. Again, they might just pull random data points like that. Maybe instead of total income trend is vacancy, or maybe it's rent, or maybe it's something else that is trending good. And then right here at the bottom left of this investment summary page, it says that we are basing all of our assumptions on someone coming in there and renovating the remaining units at the same cost as the owner and getting the same rental increase that the owner received. As well as we think that if you put in new appliances, washers, and dryers, and the units, and they will cost you three grand. And you should be able to get an extra seventy-five dollars in increases. The next page it is comparing the T12 to their pro forma. So as you will see, this will be pretty familiar to you because you've already looked at the actual T12. But on here, it will have the trailing twelve-month information for gross rent. Then it'll have the vacancy, the concessions, other income, all the different expenses. Essentially, everything we went over during the T12 overview. And so, in this particular one, it says, here's what it's like for the last 12 months. But look, for the past six months, it's been getting better. And for the past three months, it's been even better. And for the past one month, it's an amazing deal now. And then it'll have their, compare that to their pro forma. So, they'll have their, essentially, their year one, their stabilized pro forma. So, what's it going to be like once the property is stabilized? Same information. So, all the income and expense line items that we went over in the T12 and it will break it down for the year, on a monthly basis, on a per unit basis, and on a per square foot basis. And then for the expenses, it'll give you kind of a percentage of the gross income. Now, what's interesting is that on the page where they discuss either the comparison of the historical to the pro forma or just the pro forma, then they're going to have kind of a list of their assumptions for the pro forma. So I always think it's interesting to read through those and kind of compare their assumptions to my assumptions. So for this particular deal, they say that, for example, market rents are growing 5% in year one, 4% in year two, and 3.5% in year three. And so for me, for our deals, typically I assume only a 3% annual increase, but they might be including the rental premiums here as well. So they're saying that, okay, you're going to implement your value business plan and you're going to have the biggest increase in year one, but then you're going to do a little bit less in year two, and then it'll go back to that 3% in year three. Something else, they say that the gain loss of lease is going to be 1% each year. But if I go ahead and look at their historicals, it looks like it is pretty similar to what they were doing before. So that's a good note. Another example on site payroll is $1,200 per unit, right on board with our assumptions. They say that the bad debt is going to be 0.3%. So I'd look at their bad debt and be like, okay, well, you're saying there's going to be $11,000 in year one, but no matter what combination of trailing 12, 6, 3, 1 I look at is between $50,000 and 85000 so I would probably set it closer to those numbers just because that's what it's currently operating at and then I hope that I can burn that off but I don't want to assume that I can just automatically burn that off because the broker told me I can burn it off so that's an example of kind of a question that I would ask the actual broker so essentially what you want to do is read through all of their performance notes their performance assumptions and and then compare them to your assumption and see, okay, so why are you making that assumption when I'm making this other assumption myself? On the next page, it has a 10 year cash flow. So in the page before it just says, hey, here's what's gonna be like in year one. Now they're saying, hey, here's what's gonna be like every year for the next 10 years. And they'll also include whatever their growth assumptions are for this particular case, as they said before, 5%, 4%, 3.5% for the market rent growth, then market rent growth by 3% each year thereafter. Loss of lease is going to be 1% forever, they say. Vacancy is going to be 5% forever, they say. Other income growth is going to be 3% each year. And then based off of that, they can paint an overall picture of what's going to be the net operating income each year for the next 10 years or 5 years or 7 years. It kind of just varies. So that's kind of like their pro forma. And then they're going to go over kind of what they're basing it all off of. So you'll see here they got another unit mix did a table with all the unit types and kind of what the annual market rent is and then what's the monthly rent and then based off of their most current rent roll and their rent per square foot and then kind of again another data table that shows hey as you go up in unit size and number of beds bath here's how much more rent we get and then they also have a pie chart that shows a breakdown of the actual unit mix so it looks like they have half two bedrooms and then about a fifth Three bedrooms, and then the rest are going to be one-bedroom units. But essentially, this is a snapshot of the most current rent roll, as it states on there. And this particular deal, that's all they have on here. They've got the investment summary page where it says, hey, here's what your year one income is going to be. They've got their comparison of the T12s, T6s, T3s, T1s to, again, their pro forma and what assumptions they made. Then they have their 10-year cash flow. Same thing, comparing the T3, in this case T1, to year ones through year ten. And then, for some reason, they decided to give you a current snapshot of the rent room. Now, in some cases, there might be a lot more information in this section. They might include information on debt, what type of debt they expect on the property, and the insurance quote that they got. Maybe they might have a data table of the CapEx breakdown. Um, so it really depends. But overall, the information that you're going to need from the OM, as I mentioned, is one, look at the rent comps and see what they're using and confirm that they're correct. And after that, essentially, you're going to want to compare all the information they have in their OM to your information. So you've already done your location analysis, so does their location information line up with yours? And did they include information that maybe you didn't know about? Maybe there was a certain school that was listed on some sort of top 10 list that you didn't know about, and that's great information that you can include when you're making your investment summary. For the actual property description, you wanna use that information in order to kind of screen it against your investment criteria to see if the deal makes sense. So for example, for me, in Tampa, is not good to have properties that don't have a concrete slide construction. So I'll look at the property description, and if it says that the foundation is made of wood, then I will automatically disqualify that deal from contention. The property description stuff can also give you an idea of the different amenities of the property, maybe amenities that you add, or maybe different fees you can charge for certain amenities. And then for the financial analysis section, besides the rent comps, you're just going to want to kind of, after you fill out your cash flow calculator, compare their pro forma to your pro forma. And then any discrepancies, identify, you want to go ahead and ask that listing broker, hey, why are you making this assumption? I'm making this assumption because of A, B, C, and D. So am I missing something? Is there something you shed light on so I know that I'm making the correct assumption? And then you also want to run all of this stuff by your management company to kind of confirm all of your underwriting, which, will again, we'll talk about either in the next series. And it might actually be the next series. We're going to dive into everyone's favorite topic, which is underwriting. So either next series or the series after, we'll go over that. And we'll reference these T12s, and rent rolls, and offer memorandums. The point of this series, I just wanted to kind of introduce you to those three different documents. So that the underwriting series wasn't going to be 20 parts long. So this six-part series was based off of breaking down those financials. And all this information you've learned in this series, as well as heck, all other previous series too, will be used during the underwriting series. So until then, I recommend listening to parts one through five as well as downloading the T12, downloading the rent roll, and downloading the offer memorandum and kind of reading through it, maybe maybe re-listening to the episodes with the document in front of you so you kind of grasp it, because you're going to need that information when we underwrite deals. So listen to those episodes, download your documents, listen to other series at syndicationschool.com. Download our other free documents there as well. And again, I appreciate you guys listening, and I will talk to you tomorrow on Fall Along Friday.
0: Stessa is the essential tool for tracking your rental properties and it's going to save you a tremendous amount of time during tax season. Stessa organizes all of your rental property financials and automatically creates all the reports you need to file your tax return. And Stessa teamed up with the top real estate CPAs to offer you, best ever listeners, the ultimate rental property tax guide to help you maximize your deductions. Get that copy when you sign up for an account. The account's free. So get the copy by going to stessa.com forward slash best taxes. That's s-t-e-s-s-a.com forward slash best taxes. Have you heard about the latest podcast for entrepreneurs called Tough Decisions? Listen to Dan and Danae Hanford as they interview successful people from around the world about tough decisions as entrepreneurs. Visit toughdecisions.net and be sure to subscribe to their free weekly entrepreneurial email. That's toughdecisions.net.